Welcome to Tactical Permaculture. I've worked on projects ranging from the poorest to richest clients, from inner cities to suburbs to farmlands to remote wilderness, from the eco-war front lines to celebrity backyards. In over 25 years of service to the earth and the community of life, I've learned that in the fight for sustainable survival, growing is half the battle. Go to tacticalpermaculture.com for more info. You gotta train for me Because I'm training for you We gotta love, love And revolution to do You better train for me You'll be training for you Welcome to Tactical Permaculture, episode number three. This is Designing Natural National Security originally recorded September 17th, 2021. Tonight, um, probably it's on my mind because uh, Oliver Harper, one of my favorite um, YouTubers who does amazing um, retrospective reviews and podcast commentaries and other, and even uh, documentaries. He's done, I think, horror, sci-fi, action. um, And now he's doing, or he's been working on a, a video game uh, kind of documentary and it's the most <laughs> exciting thing for me ever it's Street Fighter 2 which um, if you're if you're of my generation that became your life you know for me I would go I remember the first time I encountered that uh, that arcade game it was at Cinco de Mayo uh in the year that it came out whichever year of had to been maybe 1990 or between 89 and 91 I think but uh yeah I remember it uh it was it was an enigma it was light years beyond what I had experienced in in the past with the the first Street Fighter and also with uh, other similar type games pit fighter was one um classics but uh but it was yeah it was light years ahead felt like it wasn't that the graphics were a million times better than anything else at the time um graphics were 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 great but uh it's just something magical about uh about the gameplay and I mean just I'm not going to go into all of the reasons why you would have had to been there <laughs> I don't know if it would have the same effect now with you know the gameplay and what people are used to I mean now I look at video games and they, they make me want to have a seizure there's so much going on so <laughs> I mean and then even then Street Fighter 2 originally had relatively slow gameplay and then they released the Turbo Edition which actually felt like like a little more a little more real time like the 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 uh it was interesting that that sort of um that transition but anyway that that I don't want to get too nerdy just make a point that uh that when it came out the first year and I got you know I first started playing it in an arcade with quarters it was not long before I started being magnetized to it anytime I would be out anywhere and there they had video games anywhere not just arcades but you know convenience stores and and whatever else and then um I got very very quickly uh proficient at it um and I became sort of a 
an arcade rock star to be honest at, at about a late age uh, 11 it had to have been for months and months and months that I was uh, going to the nickel arcade and I was there from almost when they opened to when they closed I would be there for about 10 to 11 hours on Saturday on Friday and Saturday night and um, my mom would drop me off you know, in the early afternoon and pick me up at their closing time or even late morning and then pick me up at late night closing time and I would just have a little fanny pack with I don't know how much I spent because I was good at the game I didn't have to spend that much um, but I would just dominate that machine and, and people <laughs> twice my age, three times my age twice my size, you know, in real life um, they would just be dropping like flies because I literally took such a liking to that game and I mastered every every move and every sort of um I mean I I I developed a masterful technique with every every one of the uh characters of the game that you could play and uh starting with Chun-Li um she she became my fantasy for for a long time my sweet boyish fantasies uh, pubescent virgin fantasies you know I would make up elaborate elaborate epic epic storylines of of how we would um, be together fighting back to back and and whatnot. but uh, but yeah she captured my imagination and then you know uh, I remember one time my my uh, mom's boyfriend came to pick me up and he was blown away just to see this line of people just getting knocked down one by one playing me and you know he didn't he's like okay well we'll leave when you lose and he was hanging out for a little while because I kept going through people and um you know we we we, I was I was uh loaned money as a loan against my allowance to take some actual uh in-person karate classes at the at the community college but that didn't last for very long and uh it was like my uh, because of being somewhere in between poverty and barely not poverty there wasn't a lot of budget for what you would call extracurricular activities so you know I played a lot of basketball by myself a lot, played a lot of baseball by myself and you get the idea I did play a lot of football and, and basketball at recess but it was only like it was not in the leagues and, and it was not really structured so same thing with my passion for martial arts I mean I took it on very much as an autodidact with some sometimes I'd have friends to kind of spar with and you know sometimes there'd be adults in my life who would show me things because they had done training but uh, but I, I wished I had a, an upbringing that was really centralized on a dojo of some kind and um and I just had to make that out of I just had to makeshift it really uh with what I had and uh so the Street Fighter 2 game was like extra powerful for me as an outlet because (laughs) 
all the energy that or all of the excitement all of that dopamine that would have gone into training in real life i mean i trained myself i was very fit and very athletic and very uh i could do the splits and uh i spent you know i would come home do my homework put on a van damme movie and and just train the rest of the night until i had to go to bed that was pretty much every night and and uh made my own little duffel bag punching bag and uh was just doing stretching and trying to nail those jump spin kicks and just uh yeah i didn't i didn't realize at that time but because of jean-claude van damme being what he was i was as much wanting to be a ninja and a karate master and all these things kung fu master kickboxer all these things but but really because of how unique van damme's style was as a former or as a classically trained um, ballet dancer I, I I guess I became uh, sort of a side effect of, of worshipping him so much was that I wanted to have this like this fluency of this language of flying legs and perfect form and grace and the, just the the angles of the um, you know I would really meticulously study in films and martial arts films like who had the best form and whose kicks were actually fully expressing the full range and the right arcs and the right angles and uh and outside of of uh real i guess you could say indigenous masters doing the craft um yeah van van damme's uh, his his um form and grace was was super captivating to me so i trained a lot but i didn't uh i didn't i had you know a few luckily non injurious uh uh wins and losses on the playground but but i wasn't a bully and i didn't allow myself to be bullied so in the in the the middle class of the playground i guess you could say you know there were i would uh have friends I would train a little bit with and spar a little bit with and then you know sometimes there would be many little little fourth grader confrontations that uh, would quickly get broken up or would de-escalate but uh no I didn't I didn't uh I guess I yeah I mean I used the 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 skills to back down kids that tried to mug me one time I mean I it, it was um my own passion for martial arts that, that grew and developed and that I cultivated mostly without training from anything but books, movies, and a little bit of formal classes. I, it got me through, got me through, you know, a number of, number of situations in, in life. And um, I'm not going to go into my full history of street fighting in real life, but I definitely survived some heinous street fights when I was actually living on the street and definitely used some of those those forms and that just fluency of the body to uh, escape and evade and uh, but also the ethics of nonviolence, just the ethics of self-defense. I, I certainly didn't use it to be a thug on the street or be some kind of um, yeah menace. So so for the most part, I got to just develop the the passion for the art as a spiritual art and as a, a way of just cultivating you know your your spirit and certainly blood sport and kickboxer just the van damme suite in the, the early days um certainly cyborg it was i would say my all-time favorite movie because it was so 
impactful for me as like a nine, ten year old seeing that that really shaped I think more than anything else that shaped my identity. Uh, that was the role model that I wanted to be, and that was the world that I, I felt was the the sci-fi post-apocalyptic world. It seemed um, like a world to prepare for, and uh, and to be strong within, and to be be skilled within. And that film, but definitely gives gave me everything I felt like I needed to. Well, it gave me the mo- the the role modeling of what it would take to be to be very resilient and uh it's um yeah and then that was the aesthetic of it is amazing the costume so once i got into punk rock and then i could basically basically i was <laughs> i was adapting punk rock and certainly the crust punk movement i was i was adapting that mystique to fit my self-image as van damme you know the uh gibson the slinger and cyborg and uh and so, anyway, the Street Fighter Two thing—it, uh, <laughs> I spent so much time in that world, and um, all of the music and all of the, just the the beautiful way that they put so much time into sort of trying to capture the essence of a of a place of a culture, and so every every place that you went to on the globe. They, you're having this anthropological, ethnographic experience, and um, and they really went all out on that. And so, I've had this thought in my the back of my mind about you know when I think about all the things going on in the world now and all the forces of xenophobia, all of the forces of uh, bigotry and um, just lack of compassion for the so-called other, or just even the 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 construction, the historically constructed idea of an enemy of a of a nation or a people or religion and whatnot. And I really think more and more I've been appreciating what I feel like is this effect that that playing Street Fighter Two had on me, which was to make me this sort of humanitarian globalist, because because I beat the game. With every character, I'm sure at least a number of times, then experiencing the glory of their uh, their winning montage or their winning somatic uh, end of the game sort of glory, you know, each one of them having a different story, a different backstory, but then their the sort of the path that they go after they are the champions of the world in the Street Fighter tournament, they often mixed in something very, like, culturally timely. And, uh, you know, they're... <laughs> I'm not even going to try to enumerate all of it, but but certainly it... Um, it, it very... In a very supercharged way because of the chemistry of the dopamine and just the 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 immersion into that into that world i mean it was almost like um i mean at that age you really throw yourself into things and they really you know you really the obsession is very is very neurochemically charged and the older you get the less excited you'll be for things things aren't aren't as new and novel and you just don't have the the juice in the brain 
that is designed to get you excited about learning new things and doing things and just that excitement that the urge to play to be on the playground to be on the jungle gym and then you know later that evolves into puberty and then you got other (laughs) you're, you're you're doing other things with that energy and then that starts to you know peter out and uh you know, then you get the midlife crisis and you, you reach back for the things that kept your dopamine pumping high. So I'd always had this fantasy that someday I'm going to have like my own Street Fighter 2 arcade game, the classic game, not just a video game, home console kind of thing, you know, but actually the real arcade game. But I can uh, I can be nostalgic forever even the other even it wasn't that long ago when i when i was challenged for to a home game on the super nintendo and luckily it all came back and i was able to to crush the opposition and and uh yeah i guess that's something that uh if i ever need to do that tony robbins thing and draw the circle and of power and you know the your most empowered moment and and draw the energy of that memory into your next job interview or or your next um confrontation you know there's definitely that feeling that i have of uh you know i was just a kid i was just a nobody i wasn't rich i wasn't famous you know i was relatively poor but i could go and be the king of the street fighter 2 you know arcade and have people you know piling up their their quarters or their nickels on the side of the, of the game and you know having <laughs> watching people just get um get get crushed and have them get pissed off and 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 snicker at me and i also made lots of great friends and of course i there were people who were better than me and there were ones who went to like real real tournaments of the game and uh, i'd play them and they would crush me and you know so there was definitely like a hierarchy and i remember the one legend above me and uh yeah it was it was an it was an interesting culture and you know i did a podcast with a friend miguel where we talked just about what it was like coming of age in the video game arcade era which may will only be in retro format probably forever after but uh, but anyway i really think that in this time of so much um war and conflict and uh, xenophobia that um nationalist with whoever they chose to play right and who wasn't fighting some race war or some culture war or some some um some religious war with with their opponents you know if you played that game and you enjoyed and you you enjoyed the challenge of learning how to master each super awkwardly different character and then be so fluent that you could just you know you beat somebody with one character and then you want to they want to play you again and you beat them with somebody else and then you beat them with somebody else (laughs) or you know and if you can get to that point then you really earn even more respect i mean there were these there was this whole culture of like not using cheap moves and not using patterns and not not throwing people while they were in a block like there was a bunch of nuanced um sort of honor codes about fighting dirty or fighting clean (laughs) in street fighter 2 and uh you know you would you would have your reputation so that that was it that was important for me to uphold and uh you know the byproduct i look back on it now and it's like okay yeah i guess that made me good at video games um and it gave me something 
to do other than things that would have got me in trouble. But, uh, but most importantly, it put me, it allowed me to identify with and to, and to really unite with different, uh, just this entire global, um, sampling of different cultures and races and, and national identities and, and, uh, and sort of the spirit and the ethos of the, of the people that were represented. So I don't think, I, I just don't think I can ever not feel empathy and compassion and, and identify for people in, in different countries, different nationalities, different religions, races, ethnicities, because of that, because of that experience. And so does it stand alone as a, a topic for a podcast? Well, like I said, I don't want to geek out too far because there's going to be lots of people <laughs> who hear this and who have no frame of reference for it. And probably a few people, mo probably mostly dudes, more likely than not, uh, who are like, yeah, wow, that's, that's, that's profound. I, I, I feel that, you know, that was important. And when I, when I think about anybody who'd want me to hate X, Y, Z nation or nation state, or, you know, the, the menace of this or that, I think, well, but I just instantly go back to the, the, the being enchanted by the way it was portrayed for the character of Street Fighter. And then, you know, there were games like World Heroes too. So this, I think this is just a fractal of something that applies across the board. I mean, you can watch a movie that sensitizes you to the, the story of a nation or the story of an oppressed people and, you know, never be, or have that sort of immunize you, certainly for me as a child, being immunized against um, all kinds of xenophobia because of the beauty of the art form of film and uh and music as well and just you know it's 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 a it's a powerful thing to to appreciate uh the ways in which media whatever the multimedia format is that uh that you engage with that is very multicultural um yeah, I, I, there was some diversity, but I grew up in Oregon, and it was mostly white people and and really white bread kind of borderline white trash culture where I was at. But uh, but anyway, I don't know what to what to how to um, make some important, profound application of this insight to the world we live in now. Uh, I don't know if, I guess if you are some sort of, if you have hate, if you have hate in your heart for anybody, any other sort of nation in the world, then I guess you need to go, go play yourself some Street Fighter 2 and play with uh, as many characters, play with all the characters until you, you master all their moves and uh, techniques and you develop your own style with them and you can win consistently with them. And then they're a part of your heart and as, uh, as uh, Jason Scott Lee said, playing Bruce Lee in Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, saying, um, you know, they're afraid of something they don't understand, but you show them the beauty of their culture and then they embrace it because it becomes a part of them. And that was, you know, he was on a mission, Bruce Lee, to uh, to show the world the beauty of Chinese culture. And he was confronting directly some very, very nasty, very extreme um 
brick walls of racism in the film industry, entertainment industry, and just in general in life and in, in the institutional uh, racism that uh, that was unchecked and unchallenged and that he came in and really broke through a lot even even as uh with uh, i think the first film that was that was released originally as fist of fury and then later as chinese connection but that was very much a story of um race fighting racists and uh so he, yeah he's he's outstanding in that regard and um a champion to me of course growing up of wanting to find uh righteous causes to fight for and, and with and be a part of and um <laughs> yeah it, it, it wouldn't it, there there were there were some really very short moments where there were sort of like neo-nazi um influences on me when i was early early days of getting into the street punk thing like learning the learn basically some of the fashion trends that i was exposed to were definitely like skinheadish and i never shaved my head wore suspenders and white laces in my doc martens but but there was some of that ambiance just as much as there was uh the counter balancing force of uh the anti-racist skinheads but they essentially would dress the same except for uh different colored laces in their boots and um you know there's more nuance of course but uh but not, that did not stick with me and there was a time when i kind of when it was rumored that i was going in a direction of um skinheadedness and uh even though i wasn't but i was somewhat um like I said, there was a bit of a, a a miscommunication of the fashion style of what I was representing versus what was in my heart, and uh, you know there there is a there is a, a tendency to to play with the idea of taking some sort of pride in your ancestry. I'll just leave it at that. But uh, but when when in that time it was like the short period that I was actually in seventh grade before I ran away again and would disappear on the streets but um but friends of mine that I knew from earlier grades who never knew me to be straying on that path like they organized a bit of a confrontation on me and 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 really like set me up to set me up for a beating and uh and I had to you know I I I was honest when I I don't want to say I talked my way out of it but they asked me um you know what my beliefs are now because of how I looked and like I said it was just at the time it was it was a confusing time for street punk fashion I mean just I'll just put it that way but when so when they asked me what I thought you know I'm not gonna I'm gonna say you know I'm not against any I'm not against any one type of race it's interesting when um you find that uh that sense of unity because you know he brought he brought over um a black kid that uh that we had both grown up in school with and we hadn't been friends there were other other folks that were friends of mine but this happened to be one who i knew and um and we all right i i knew of but we weren't friends and so you know we were strangers to each other and when when he was there to confront me he wasn't he he was being like uh egged on to to like somebody was trying to 
organize a fight between us kind of lathering up the presumption that I was that I had become a racist and you know and I had not and and when this fellow who was egging him on just started to say you know tried to like set me up to to put my foot in my mouth or whatever I, I basically said no I'm I'm just again you know I'm 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 proud of my roots of who I am and you know wish the same to everybody else and I'm as as much against people that are out of line from my ancestry as I would be from anybody else's so you know and and the black kid who was there he said dude come on that's exactly how I feel you know so so we were able to squash it um and that's memorable to me you know that that uh I maybe again I can thank I can thank a lot of things for for being smarter than that and 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 being exposed to things and not not getting not drinking the Kool Aid, and um, I never, you know, very quickly dropped any even of that aesthetic because once I went full on crust punk, you could say, you know, it was about long hair and I didn't do dreads, but I I had long hair and just all the black clothes and he looked more like a cross between a, a hippie, a, a metalhead and a punk and uh, the whole, any of that skinhead stuff was all dropped. So, you know, and then my intelligence grew and my sort of range of punk lyrics grew and of course Nazi punks fuck off and all that stuff. Like it, it became very clear to me and I was very... I was not very confused and 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 evolved past any any of those like um aesthetics that were sort of ambient in Portland and when I went to San Francisco there wasn't really any of that um vibe at least where I was so so it all faded away but uh you know if anything the vibe I'm feeling is just that like with all of the the racial violence going on in the world over all kinds of of um very exacerbated inflamed and and sort of um this is compounding compounding issues um again i can't say everybody should watch street fighter 2 or play street fighter 2 and, and watch the movies that i did but uh but i guess if you're listening to this and you feel like you know you you vehemently hate anyone or anything because of the where their what their names are or where they come from you know i think i know it's easy for me to say um it's easier for me to say bury the hatchet if i am not living in a i'm not exactly in a place in the world where the eons of uh, religious warfare have just made it very difficult to forgive um but so what is the solution you know to world peace we're all you know people still pray for it uh and it's always seems ever more utopian given the rate of collapse and i don't see the world coming together over over much uh so many things are tearing tearing it apart and um but here is a beautiful example that just came up in one of my studies of uh military podcasts where there are people who are doing like training different tribes i believe within 
the Middle East to have their youth actually become MMA fighters to where they may not solve, you know, their differences over the reading of scriptures, but certainly the energy that would have gone to blowing each other up and shooting each other actually gets expressed ritualistically and symbolically through a more honorable form of combat which to me represents this interesting like peacecraft because if you think about what ritualized violence and sanctioned violence um, I mean yeah it's very trite to think about Rocky IV but that really affected me too you know that I mean the the, the words of uh, of Sly Stallone at the end of that maybe two guys pounding each other up you know on the, in this boxing match can teach the two nations uh, Russia and the US that they don't have to be at war and uh, and so that's really it I mean that was kind of the acquaintance a quintessential thing and, and I feel like um, it, the barbarism of um, kinetic warfare uh, it just seems like we're I mean obviously it seems like there's just there's there's not enough creative creativity and you know you could look at men, men who stare at goats and you know you could look at the Project Jedi and bringing more um I mean, the, the the racket of the mil of the uh, the uh, military industrial complex and just the profit motives of keeping that machine of producing the arms race. You know that <laughs> that the, the momentum, the inertia of that money machine. You know, no more war pigs of the power. You know, I mean this 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 goes back to um, the '60s and and anti-war anthems of the '60s and. You know, I mean, Tatiana Moroz said, um, uh, you know, how could we be in a 20 year war and there's no pop anti-war anthems on the radio like there were during Vietnam? And and if, when I first heard her say it, I was like, yeah, you're right. Like everybody's just totally sucked into social media and they're desensitized to violence. And, you know, what what is it? Well, not until this September 11th or thereabouts that it, that it hit me like oh the reason that there's not a massive protest movement is that this is a uh a, a settling of the score with the 9-11 legacy more so of course than vietnam which had nothing you know nothing to do directly with with um, a kinetic attack on u.s soil and was an ideological gamble um I mean, there's more, much more to say about that, but uh, but it's interesting to think that uh, yeah. So 20 years since 9/11, there has been a sort of religious war and race war, and the the violence against um, Muslim Americans. That whole arc, and uh, just I could have uh, if I wasn't if I wasn't. Um, anti anti military from the punk rock movement and I've thought about this a lot. Like that was really the fork in the road for me. I mean I grew up wanting to be in the military. I grew up um on a to where it was almost a foregone conclusion. And uh but it was it was the um the anti militaristic um conditioning of the punk movement that, that uh that split me off that path. And whatever authentic true sacred divine masculine warrior energy that i had it 
for that those prime years of my life that went into building movements of um, peace really and uh, and resilience and ecological warfare if you will to preserve um, wild ecosystems and to empower people to grow their own food and you know I joined movements with that energy and and there were energetic battles for sure and lots of intellectual battles but uh but i didn't have to get i didn't have to risk for the well there were i put my body at risk in certain in certain forms of activism but uh but i was not a rifleman on the battlefield of ieds and whatnot so you know i think about um this compounding uh, arms race that leaves people less and less um, able to, to to bury the hatchet and to to become uh, forgiving of of um, of these forever wars and the and the, the the opponents of the forever wars it just you know comp- keeps compounding and ratcheting up so you know I really like the idea of sportive combat ritualized violence in the sense of um yeah i mean it's it's not the most elegant thing it's not something that uh you know I, i'd rather people be putting all of that all of that that warrior energy into re- repairing the earth and restoring ecosystems and making some sort of sport out of that in fact um one of the one of the uh i think it was constant i think it was constantine one of the power elite of the history of rome knew that a huge wall had to be i think i think it was either built or repaired at a mass scale that couldn't be afforded and was just a daunting engineering task but he he social engineered he basically so he's basically hacked this sports culture of the chariot racers and he got the teams to compete to build the wall so i really like this idea that um you know nation um well i don't want to say statecraft but uh but i want to say peacecraft and i want to say um hey maybe um ending conflicts and re- restructuring geopolitics right so geopolitical craft that's beyond a state a nation state and it's often selfish and perverse interests but but a a more pan-humanist um globalist geopolitical peacecraft of sorts i i i all i can do because i'm not i'm not i haven't been blown to bits or paralyzed or decapitated and i'm not I'm not in a wheelchair like Ron Kovic, you know, I didn't serve on the battlefield um, in that way. So as a naive and ignorant outsider of the, the, the theater of war, I think about how to how to create alternatives to armed conflict um that that aren't naive that aren't just this very like um utopian and naive or utopian pacifistic like no there's people that they want there's young there's most there's mostly young men 
that are that have aggressive energy and if you were you don't have to be a fan of the politics of Jack Donovan but I'm influenced by the thesis of of his which more more or less is that um if if males aren't in in hunter gatherer gangs they're going to turn into violent street gangs and violent cartels and violent police gangs and vi- basically the absence of the hunting ritual amongst men for their alpha beta male hierarchy to to evolve and to sort of snap together if the activity that the aggression gets flowed to is not hunting wild animals uh, then quickly that'll be hijacked by the state crafters who want to use your energy uh, uh, to to for their ends in the form of soldiering for them and uh and and so that is a very interesting from a primitivist anarcho primitivist perspective an anarcho primitivist critique of modern warfare would be that uh you know if only we could restore natural ecosystems and give young males um tribal sacred hunting grounds and subvert warfare by by returning that missing piece because the 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 the, the battle addiction that uh, i hear about all these um these um military service people having like they come back to normal life and it's so mundane they they, they want they're more traumatized by the boring life at home than they were by life in the battlefield because they were being juiced up at the peak of of um of all these chemical cocktails in the brain and and i think it's not a logical leap to say that uh everything that's happening in the human brain well we know it evolved in the paleolithic it evolved before gunpowder evolved before iron and bronze and it was all stone tools and um and so every bit of uh, capacity our brains have and all of the engineering of our entire nervous system was it was designed for i'm not going to say yeah it was it was co- co-evolved within and, and and designed for um a stone age life with minimal violence and certainly in the fossil record zero evidence of organized mass violence and there's a whole thesis to go on about the uh you know the politics of um of peace in 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 the nomadic societies nomadic hunter-gatherer societies but uh not only is there no surplus of grain to feed marching armies you know that is that is probably the biggest factor um but for immediate return hunter-gatherers who don't generate a surplus, there's little to no social stratification, and you don't have energy surplus to feed a military class. Everybody is is uh, horizontal on that 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 axis of skills and and whatnot. So, really, the uh, until you, my my feeling is just that until you until you create alternatives other than kinetic warfare other than lead bullet loud bang artillery bombs uh <laughs> like just it's it's barbarism was at least organic barbarism was at least 
handcrafted and face to face i mean it is an insult to any to all the barbarians who faced mortal combat eye to eye you know and 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 they I think they they uh, they were far more deeply um, spiritual than what has become drone striking and and whatnot. You know, I could go on on and on on that, but uh, but hey, I mean, could you imagine a modern nation state conflict where they agreed to fight? Uh, only with um, primitive weapons or only with um, only in a, in, a, in a even if it was a mortal combat hand to hand you know if they said we're going to stage these these uh, these battles and there's going to be some honor I mean the samurai had honor the Shaolin monks had honor the ninjas uh, they had they had certain codes and certain ones that they would break but um, but what's interesting with the, that it's totally lost is like now you, you have just um national security law and international laws and rules of engagement and conventions and whatnot that try to sanitize warfare and try to create these lines of when when you can surrender and whatnot but uh I think it would be uh, well. I, I would like to, uh, if I were, I'm not a I'm not a politician, but I'm a magician, so <laughs> I can craft policy in my in the imaginal realm, and and I can certainly uh, I can certainly engineer you know a couple of things on the physical plane, you know, not not that much, um, not as much as Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos or. Uh, or uh, Bill Gates, you know, by any means, but um, but what I love to think of is like a a future where the inevitability of conflicts over resources and conflicts over readings of scriptures and sects breaking off and different interpretations of what is holy and unholy and and whatnot that that there are. Um, at least, you know, the first of all, at the very least, more ecological ways. So imagine if um, if uh, there was a compact to only fight with, with weapons that leave no trace ecologically, you know. So if you want to throw things at each other, you throw seed balls and they will, they will actually replenish the life on the battlefield that you trampled with your combat boots or whatever. I mean my imagination runs wild with the idea of putting a little bit more ancient organic honor in violence and combat and and organized violence in the form of militaries and actually the greening and and permifying what i like to call tactical permaculture which can be um yeah i guess this is this is what uh this is what is coming out of it like a a regenerative and a sustainable acknowledgement of this sector of energy that is violence and that that is of the so-called um uh combat age men of any society that that energy is going to be um wrangled by leaders and it's going to be taunted by enemies and uh and you're just along for the ride and you're picking up uh trainings where they're gonna but before you even get to the battlefield you'll have lost half your hearing and your your brain's mush from all the concussion and uh and all the shock waves and uh 
I think we it, this isn't going to last forever. I mean, there's there will be some some breakthrough with whether it's laser guns or sound guns or quantum something or other. But this lead explosive, this whole paradigm is so ecocidal and has such a horrible toxic le- legacy. Napalm and cluster bombs and. Uh, all of the mines and all of the Agent Orange, I mean, all of the defoliants and whatnot, I mean, that is just unbelievable. And if you are from Southeast Asia and you have firsthand experience of the legacy of of the deformations coming from uh, Agent Orange and, and, the, and the, the, the decapitations coming from the landmines, I mean, this is still so many places all over the world and uh and it, and 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 at the end of the day it's arms dealing and it's manufacturers of arms uh that are creating this legacy and uh you know I'm not saying anything that any peacenik hippie you know greeny lefty hasn't already said a million times but one thing I will say that's different is that like Rather than saying, let's all be om chanting and meditating and peaceful yogis, I say, let's have Street Fighter 2 tournaments in real life. Let's have kumites, let's have... And if Mortal Kombat, if you if you want it to be if you want it to to be that that life and death thing, but uh, you know I don't think that's obviously there's if you if if two leaders could duke it out in an arena and save the lives of hundreds of thousands of their of their their young boys who would be better serving as um, um, stewards of the land and putting that energy of gang violence into the healthy expression of just stalking wild animals and hunting um or or now because we have the real war is for our future survival and so the battlefield is like what the army corps of engineers and other sort of like um forces uh and operations that that military sometimes assist with for example i think bill mollison talked about it was the it was military equipment or military uh, at least it was a government initiative to uh to to deploy heavy machinery to build swales uh to 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 address the dust bowl and uh you know there there is um a lot that Jeff Lawton has said uh, in permaculture design about um, what he would do if he had tactical command, basically, um, if if the military would listen to him and uh, to talk about what it would what it would take to use that machinery to um, to actually do massive earthworks and to to stabilize regions. So the opposite of um, defoliation, it's actually refoliation and. Uh, you know, you could use um, bombers to create to create uh, uh, craters in the ground, and then drop uh, bentonite on them, and then you have a pond, and you have a way to get uh, one season's rainwater to actually turn rebels into into peaceful uh, farmers again. You know, I mean, so much geopolitical conflict, really, all of it is rooted in resources and even the ones that sort of masquerade as being of being caught up in some scriptural battle i think that if you peel back the onion far enough you get to where this goes back to land rights this goes back to 
our our lake dried up and your river still ran and therefore we decided that we were the holy ones and you were not and we found some sort of scriptural precedent i mean there you know there is stuff that comes down to to that level of um of of uh of ancient of ancient historical fact and uh it's it's uh, it's just It's an insult to barbarism to say that uh, that 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 we're living in 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 still uh, where we haven't learned the lessons and we haven't really changed much. Um, it's great that we have, as a, as a planet, for the most part, for now, backed off of the nuclear, uh, the the going nuclear, as it were. But um, but uh, I don't think you know cyber and uh, space and. Um, and of course, just the all of the lead and all of the what do they call it? Uh, conventional, conventional warfare, conventional um, weapons. Um, that industry and the inertia of that, and and all the inertia of the logistics of all of the all of the different types of um, of uh, equipment and uh, and and mobility. All just all of this, as if there isn't. Um, Something other than the 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 the, the fantasy, uh, the utopian fantasy of everyone everyone getting along all the time forever after. I, I I think I'd like to see more solutions like like people who are figuring out how to channel and divert this perversion of of masculine energy into kinetic warfare that makes a lot of people a lot of money. Um, some other way that could even be more more way more profound in terms of the exaltation of the of the the warrior spirit you know so the dignity and the honor i mean certainly to be a suicide bomber is in some ways indoctrinated to be the obviously the greatest sacrifice and 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 in a way it's constructed it's obviously not considered disgraceful or dishonorable dishonorable within the logic of the uh whoever gave that order it's the opposite they will want they would would have wanted uh you to consider it to be the ultimate um the, the the thing that will receive the highest honor in the afterlife and that will have you be memorialized the most in this life and that's a hard problem to solve and the more i learn about the those tactics being used and they're certainly fresh in the media now um it's it's not more it's not more troops that can stop that that is a much more deeper a much deeper psychological warfare uh operation to to address the roots of that and to you know, throw a better party to um, subvert these ideologies with something that that has to um, provide a better a better offer to the soul and to the psyche of the uh, the people who are buying into it. So, you know, there have been times where they would you know you if you win the war you get land and if you're a, if were a slave or a peasant then that it was worth risking your life for and there there was um to to try to study all the ways in which 
generals and kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers have got their their warriors to uh to mount up you know and go risk life and limb on the battlefield um and basically just more than anything it's 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 the money that's behind all that because and again a tip to a tip of the hat to bitcoin because if if sound money was the norm then you couldn't have forever wars because you couldn't print money to finance them and over leverage yourself into war which is you know the 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 cause of the collapse of a lot of systems uh a lot of empires so what is the i don't have the answer i mean when i think about street fighter 2 it's like uh it's an expression of a lot of a lot of beauty because you fall in love with your character you fall in love with their culture you become it becomes very difficult for you to want to go fight them or to have a or to have a xenophobic or sort of nationalistic um hatred of, of them you know i i, I think I, I have too much love for all of the nations you know of the world to um too much love for the diversity of the people and the dialects of the languages and the cuisine like i i don't think i can be um made to hate an entire nation or entire culture there's too much to love about them even the ones who i who i'm supposed to think are, are enemies of the u.s you know i still find that there's so much more enchanting and mystical and true than whatever the uh the xenophobic and and racist narrative could be and so i really pity the fools that uh are simple-minded enough to want to engage in any kind of bigotry um and it just is this superior form of power to come from a place of of love and and acceptance and understanding and yeah i would like to believe that like every conflict that's happening on the planet at any time that there is some sort of spellcraft that could be done that leads both to uh, both warring parties, um, factions, and all the splinter groups therein uh, within with, within those these different uh, levels of um, dispute. Uh, that that there would be some magical recipe. I mean, I've, I've even thought about uh, <laughs> trying to go deep into hyperspace on DMT and try to negotiate deals with UFOs to get them to, to put giant electromagnets on their UFOs so they could just, they could just um, low fl- fly low over all the battlefields and just yoinks all of the tanks and all of the guns and like every piece of metal you know people would have to be stripping to get their heavy metal their their metal uh, uh bullet belts and things off you know so that they didn't get sucked up into the <laughs> smashed up into the electromagnet uh but then what would you do if you <laughs> if you had if you could if you could broker a deal and commission a ufo to put an electromagnet uh, uh, to come and sweep up all of the kinetic weapons and all the battlefields in the earth and they would do it like in seconds because of how fast they move just like okay here's the gps uh you know route we're just going to plan the little route put it in your little app and your little ufo gps app and then just 
zip around the planet and uh and suck up all of these all of these uh these 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 weapons off the battlefield and uh and and, <laughs> and then what do you do uh, are they going to just throw rocks at each other i think you know i think that um the the peace the peacemaking potential of psychedelic trance is the 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 it is the the secret weapon, the secret weapon of peace that, uh, uh, you know, I don't know if I don't know if I'll ever do, you know, speak in front of Congress or or <laughs> or get uh, get drafted to the CIA or, or any other intelligence uh, organization for that matter. But um, but I would tell anyone and everyone that uh, it's not a top secret and it's not classified that you um, that psychedelics and ecstatic trance dancing is a beautiful way to heal from trauma and a beautiful way to find very diverse uh, brotherly love. And so I've, I really feel like uh, there's this image that I have on my vision board. It's some beautiful like graffiti artist style, mural style kind of art where it's like tanks that have been commandeered and, and retrofitted with ma- massive speaker systems. So it's basically like a tactical sound system and they're not doing the kind of old school psychological warfare techniques of telling the, the, the uh, opposing army that they're while they're fighting the war, their wives are sleeping with other men and therefore they should surrender so they can get back to their wives and <laughs> like playing on jealousy and these like dirty dirty tactics of psychological warfare no I'd rather see instead of having your ears blown out and your brain turned to mush you know you could have uh, far less permanent damage done uh, by by having this um, this form of dance music be brought into places where you know they don't have that entrainment and, and, and it's like um, it's just energy right I mean every battlefield is just a bunch of otherwise inert equipment that has to be driven or command it basically has to be operated by humans at least most of it now that's changing but but if you think from a permaculture perspective of like what is happening on a battlefield it's all this energy that's being basically sacrificed for nothing and creating massive disaster zones and, and it's a massive waste and, uh, and 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 we see time and time again that uh, the missions so-called they go full circle into accomplishing literally nothing and so it, it becomes the biggest boondoggle waste corrupt um setback of of, of energy and and the just the 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 insult to our intelligence that that is um the idea that we can't do a better job incentivizing more constructive behavior um Again, I'm not coming at this like a naive utopian pacifist of like, we just need to all uh, be be hippies, you know, and that that's going to, we can pray for, for peace. I mean, no, there's going to be, certainly with climate change, we're going to be fighting over less and fighting more and more over less and less and with more and more people with nothing that they can do with what limited life force they have other than just like fight for their their actual lives and the wars are going to get far more vicious in terms of just um life and death and not politics and not religion so much um and so 
Yeah, I think this is the time for tactical permaculture and for, you know, training um, for combat that will be inevitable in ways that are regenerative and that actually, like, the ninjas were gardeners the, in the in, behind enemy lines. The, the disguise, the camouflage of the ninjas oftentimes was to be... The, either the gardeners for the uh, gardeners undercover amongst uh, the enemy's uh, empire or the enemy's lord um, uh, temples and and uh, and palaces and whatnot, or or serving serving as camouflaged gardeners so that they wouldn't be targeted as warriors and massacred as warriors but to be a gardener you are armed with uh, with with uh, primitive weapons and you certainly are always maintaining a very elegant um, physique uh, and, and keen sense of awareness so there is a saying it's better to be uh, it's better to be uh, a warrior in a garden and a gardener in a war <laughs> or something. One, I might be saying it backwards, but the idea is if you... Um you're a better you're you are a better warrior if you have training and, and experience as a gardener. And so tactical permaculture, yes, this is something that I have been working on um, for many years, going back to... 2012 when we were designing myself and and an actual professional tactical trainers training um for uh combat arms in various formats um shoot houses and and vehicle operations and uh you know the, it, it's it's a professional a professional uh corporation that teaches uh you know paramilitary um tactics and uh and we lived together for a while and i was at one of my peaks of permaculture design and run basically building a permaculture design course site and uh and and he was living there and he was the tactician and we were all about this idea of tactical permaculture from everything from um figuring out how to do airsoft where the pellets actually were seed balls that w that would hold up and that that wherever you know you would be shooting these uh these seed ball pellets out of your your airsoft guns or pellet guns and then they would actually leave a beneficial uh legacy in their wake and uh you know the idea of having cover and concealment be with um with edible berms and um and just uh, thinking at Shaolin style, I mean, uh, Jason Scott Lee did a documentary on the Shaolin Temple where I think he was about age 45, where he went there to go put himself through that crucible. And, and it was just amazing thinking about how very primitive technology, very ancient technology, very low cost and very beautiful, elegant technology that would develop so many other aspects of, of your of your soul to be an artisan kung fu master who develops your strength and agility and balance by like fetching water out of water barrels that you make by hand you know and and, and stuff like that so there's definitely like a a golden era of warriorship that had a lot more craftspersonship going on than MREs and uh, 
you know, uh, <laughs> and all of the kit and all of the synthetic stuff and all of these ways to basically be cheaters, you know, I hate to say it, but, um, I'm sure at the end of the day, all the men who are traumatized, men and women of combat who have been traumatized and lost people because of the mission and because of these objectives, like if, if there, if there was any, um, I don't want to say chivalry, but, uh, but but I think like to me this is the way out. The way out is is technical permaculture, where knowing that conflict will continue to exist and it will continue to accelerate. But if the edge, no pun intended, from a permaculture perspective, if getting the edge on your enemy means designing with um, permaculture. Uh, ecological design and and actually that's what gardening is gardening is a tactical and strategic thing you are creating a perimeter you are securing your crops and you are you are moderating the interactions of species who are all basically like coming to get you and coming to invade you you know i'm fighting off all kinds of invasion and even our body even our skin even our immune system there is no need to like um reject martial uh the the martial way because it is the way of your skin creating a barrier and defending it you are a nation of your skin protecting your organs you know and all of these levels of tactics um to fight off invasions and to maintain integrity and functioning of systems and also the secrecy and the the cryptography of like the the encoding of um viruses and it's this as above so below thing so i don't think i think it's healthier to assume that we're going to always have different forms of conflict and that if we want to move towards more ecologically correct um warfare then then permaculture has uh very very powerful design solutions to where um you know you're 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 i would love my enemies to be to be fat and happy drunk on drunk on the wine and bellies full of like the abundant perennial crops that i have designed as my uh my protective um my, my you know but you should be able to you could go fishing in the moat and maybe you'll you'll be consumed by that activity and now that your belly's full you won't have to re- sack my my village you know i mean that's a little a little ad absurdum um in terms of uh oversimplifying but uh but yeah if you're a permaculture designer and you think about the modern you know you think about the 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 disgrace of of what's left in the wake of battlefields and and just the idea that like if people are fighting it's often it's not as advanced as you think it is i mean yeah there's night vision goggles and there's laser guided this and that and gps this and that but uh you know you see footage of um the the i think it's called the lima company uh marine uh footage uh, they have a documentary about fighting you know i believe in um in the middle east and uh and they it's pretty primitive like it's not and then the people they're fighting yeah they might have rpgs and and ak's or or whatever they've got but um but most of this stuff is like 
farms and old buildings and breaching and door kickers and just um, clearing rooms and and it's like if if you want to well I'm very excited about the fact that Mike Glover is 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 in love with permaculture and uh that's very exciting to me because now it's no longer a fantasy that I say the words tactical permaculture it's now more so than ever a reality and David Holmgren not David Holmgren in a, in a recent interview um he talked about that the 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 time dimension in permaculture strategy on top of the techniques the 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 the, the time element of strategy of um of design he attributed that i can't remember the name uh, or pronounce the name of who it really originally was but in the earliest days of permaculture one of the biggest influence was a former military um or he, either he was in the military or he was influenced somehow so that he, from the knowledge of the battlefield that, you know, it's all about contingency planning and you don't know what's going to happen. You plan for it to be a certain way, but circumstances can change and you have to adapt. So you have to spend a lot more time thinking about what those variables might be. And so that really is like what became a one of the most important pillars of permaculture design was actually from not only i mean most of it did in bill mollison's uh, attributions come from his observation of the forest of well his observations of natural ecosystems and and uh, and traditional societies living within them and there there but there's this other uh element to how it all came together which was this military thinking so you know now if I say tactical permaculture and I can reference the early days with David Holmgren and and that fellow who was bringing in basically battlefield strategy into the mix of what became permaculture and now you have Mike Glover you know the fieldcraft survival former Green Beret par excellence um, talking about uh, the need to become independent and to build up your homestead and he's completely immerse, immersing himself now in the romance of permaculture so yeah I'm, this this is uh, this is going to be very interesting when very intelligent when I think about the special forces community they're uh, they're the smart and hard men they're the brains and the brawn that's why they've been selected because they can do high-level technical uh, thinking and uh, problem-solving, and they have the physique and the stamina and the fight in them. Um, So imagine them being trained in permaculture, for example. Like, how about a permaculture design course for PTSD veterans? You know, how about something like that? And all of the people that get interviewed on Mike Force and Mike Drop podcasts, you know, what if they all had the chance to do a free PDC? And what if they started, for that matter, teaching their own PDCs? And what if, for that matter, their sons who go and surge through the military-industrial complex, what if they started permifying all of the... Um, all the bases and all of the training camps and all of the what if all of a sudden those 
horrible constipating carcinogenic MREs that they're eating. I mean, doesn't it just, you want to talk about, I mean, when, 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 when these warriors come to understand just how, how moronic, like the inputs into them as a system are in terms of what the ingredients of those MREs are. And like, that you compare that to people, I think it was Geronimo, who was the kind of warrior who would steal your horse, ride it, and ride it as far as he could to get into uh, into a, a strategically, tactically advantageous position, and then when it died, eat it to survive to get to the next one. And, like, that was just... Um, I mean, no, I'm not even thinking about the original tactical permaculture of of the of all Native American warriors and all indigenous warriors, the tactical permaculture of the Viet Cong, for, for Christ's sake. I mean, human shit on sharpened bamboo. I mean, it's not a pleasant sight, but it's very, it's very, it's a, it's a much, if you think about a fair fight and the dignity from that, you know, I would love to see the U.S. military, um, the whole U.S. military take a permaculture design course, you know, and, uh, and I, I think Mike, I think Mike Glover is going to be the one to bring it. All they got to do is make it cool. All they got to do is put flex on that Instagram and get that Instagram, you know, mania going. And all of a sudden you got herb spiral, you know, ura, you know, and then, and then I hear about this whole, uh, they call it a uh, operator syndrome or something like that. It's like what the special operators end up going through and how, how like, um, how insular they have to become and how how uh, estranged that they have to become from everyone else in the world because who are who aren't them because of just the elite training that they do and the the bonding that they have and what they've been through and so by the time you know they do get out or in between missions you know i guess that film navy seals uh is is pretty on point because um some of the real life people talk about things like uh you know there was this journalist who married one of them and i believe she said these were guys who would or order two drinks at a time you know four hours before last call <laughs> I, I i busted up hearing that because you know i know a lot of drunk punks and I, you know I, I know a lot of alcoholics and certainly a lot of people who died from that and when i think about like um you know the uh the hard drinking you know thousand year thousand year uh, sorry thousand yards staring hard drinking special operator like trying to fight back all these demons you know and uh, and fit into normal life and i think about like how many of these guys are are are, are taking a permaculture design course that's going to teach them how to to grow their own uh to to, to do their own their own beekeeping so they can make their own honey honey wine their own mead you know how many of them are are taking a permaculture design course so they can learn how to grow trellis and grapes and shade you know their 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 support group meeting space i mean there's so many ways um and i'm sure you know i, I i'm sure there are already organizations and groups of uh you know, of, of U.S. veterans who are permaculture designers and hopefully, um, you know, me doing this podcast will be the impetus for me to get more, far more serious about connecting those dots and, uh, and really, um, 
you know, joining forces, as it were, uh, to put my money where my mouth is and put my passion where, you know, into this mix of I've got, you know, I'm a, I'm a veteran of the astral battlefield and you can read my book if you want to, <laughs> if you don't believe that I earned my purple heart on the astral battlefield, I think you will, you will, you will understand that I did and that, uh, you know, spiritual warriors are, we need more spiritual warriors on the astral plane than we do need um, fodder for uh, kinetic warfare. Uh, and if we had more spiritual warriors, then we would probably have less bloodshed on the physical plane. Um, but I, I digress onto a soapbox. But tactical permaculture, yes, it has always been a thing. <laughs> I am just um, rebranding and, uh, and saying that... Um, you know, we we gotta we gotta be smart with that energy. It is a it is a sec an energy sector. It's a it's a vector. It's a it's a it's a a, a pattern. It's a cycle. All these things that we design with, all these things that we that we comprehend, and we and we um, we don't deny. We embrace. And as much as I have, you know. Um, spearheaded a notion of sexual permaculture acknowledging the importance of designing intentionally with the energy of sexuality in our permaculture designs tactical permaculture well if if you're not guarding the garden you don't have one for very long so you know uh training dogs and finding the people who want to to take shifts guarding the perimeter and um and really really nurturing that i mean warren brush has done uh, a lot of permaculture design courses for war torn in war torn regions throughout the third world and fourth world and so if i say hey warren what would you do with a million dollars to develop a tactical permaculture design course you know he would be like oh actually I, i've already done that you know <laughs> I, I imagine he would say something like that because uh repairing the souls of uh, wounded veterans and repairing the landscapes and mending fences. We're talking about really mending fences, you know, and this is a guy, Warren Brush, who, who again, tactical permaculture isn't just uh, some clever neologism. It is like what has been a significant portion of his charitable and, and, and career work and that he's uh, world famous for and, and that, that he deserves um, utmost respect for. So, you know, with that said, I think this was this was a wrap. You know, my, my warrior energy um, was first aimed at joining the military and then, uh, you know, through punk rock or through, through uh, you know, Van Damme and then Street Fighter II and then the punk rock movement, you know, I became radicalized and remained a warrior and um, and I'd say a more refined and more and more evolved warrior who is interested in um, the sacredness of life and in the idea that we can sing and dance and, and think uh, and design our way out of everything from from street fighting to gang violence to bar brawls to um, uh, all of the the conflicts that or all of the um, the violence sanction and otherwise that lead to all the the really just dis disgusting um pitiful uh toxic wastelands of um trauma and and uh and destruction that uh that that i mean it's just 
yeah, bring bring on the side trance, bring on the tactical permaculture, and um, you know, let's let's uh, fight less and um, make make it a greener a greener battlefield, and um, and realize that uh, you know. <laughs> It, it, it doesn't take you don't have to be a Taoist master to understand that like really if the goal is to have your enemy have less angry starving um, uh, extreme the uh, less angry and starving um, your your young males uh, are so how do you solve those problems and how do you make it so you know if you (laughs) how do you basically preempt even having an opposing army well if that army was to be nullified and preempted by those young men learning tantra for example uh, becoming yoni worshippers the politics of yoni worship spending more time horizontal than vertical and being very intoxicated on the on the bliss of shakti then that's a a form of um that will be more the sexual or the 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 tactical sexual permaculture you know kill kill them with kindness kind of thing but if you think about um clever ways to to really uh create abundance uh in in for everyone if the more abundance that exists the the the, the less um extremism will be will be will you will foster less extremism when people are 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 really living in paradise if they're living everyone's living in the garden of eden then there's far there's far more to share far far fewer reasons to step out of the bliss that you have to go into something like mortal combat to leave your family you know the stronger the bonds are um so just think about that the people who are willing to be thrown away and made into fodder for that war machine what do they do they have a lot to lose are they what are they leaving behind and so so it behooves the more shall we say resourced um people and nations and and operators if you will the people the special forces like you're going to go in and train them to use all this advanced weaponry and to have all these guerrilla warfare tactics well that's all fine and good but uh how about um you know get get those six packs and those instead of hitting pipes why don't you hit build some swales and do some earth earthworks and actually and and i'm sure there's more of that already going on than i even know of and i'm sure i will be i will be excited to for the briefings you know that come from um learning about the different projects that that have been going on but uh, i think this is going to be a far more a far more beautiful um synthesis of the warrior energy into the future is like you know we need to be doing mostly putting that energy into repairing the soil planting forests and um and you know we'll we'll be so busy doing that we'll probably just be fighting over who's got better heirloom variety seeds and maybe we'll (laughs) maybe we'll be fighting wars over over that but um once the the rain is flowing and the the dams are the, the ponds are built you know we'll be we'll be 
fighting over different things and hopefully it'll it can be a much more um honorable and, and ritualized and symbolic form of violence and uh and maybe it'll just be a a sort of um you know sacred martial arts dance reenactment of the ancient days of of uh of the kind of warfare we're fighting now where well, what would you expect people to do? Bill Mollison said that it was religions of resignation, you know, in the Permaculture Designer's Manual, talking about how, um, you know, the the very uh, the very shall we say um, patriarchal and male dominator angry sky god religions, like they come out of an ecological uh, disaster of the loss of the Fertile Crescent. And um, there's a bigger story. And, you know, Daniel Quinn points out this actual anthropological um, sort of uh, breadcrumb trail that is the Bible talking about the fall from grace being going from hunter-gatherers in the garden to the drudgery of planting and the drudgery of of animal husbandry. And, and, you know, there's... It's not that... um, you know, it, it's 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 not that uh, that mysterious. You know, and 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 the the stories are are not that heavily shrouded. So, yeah, I just I can you can only imagine if um, for every missile and bullet and bomb there was you know a commensurate uh, amount of tonnage that was like. Mulch and compost and bentonite, which is uh, a form of clay that can be used to seal ponds anywhere on any terrain. I mean, if you want to talk about uh, preventing a future war and repairing the damage of past wars, it's not about building benches for people who don't sit on benches (laughs) and all these boondoggle things that all of the contractors have done, you know, to bring... um, uh, Western, Westernized uh, design. It's like, no. Look at look at the the. How do you enhance their fertility in their fields? How do you restore? Um, you know, how do you how do you use permaculture to um, just to really ecologically e- provide ecological security? And that is going to create political stability or political security, economic security, and that's that's. Um, now we've got, you know, decades upon decades of permaculture all over the world to show the stabilizing effects on economies and 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 soil degradation, erosion, and just the beautiful blossoming of peace that comes from this this um, <laughs> important application of all of our energies. But yes, if you can make it sexy and fun and badass and militant, then then let's do it. Oh.